You're listening to the Clear Creek Resources Podcast from Clear Creek Community Church, located in the Bay Area of Houston. So welcome, friends, to the Clear Creek Resources Podcast. I'm here with Jenna Kraft and Mandy Turner and Tiffany Havaducci, and I love all of you, and I'm so excited to be with you just at the table. Thanks for coming. Yeah. Feelings mutual. (laughs) (laughs) So you guys all are invested in studying and teaching the Bible and um, really particularly with women and for women. And so in this podcast today, we're gonna to talk about both of those things, studying the Bible, what that looks like, and also your heart for uh, the women of our church. So just before we even start talking about anything specific, um, we wanna talk about this event that's coming up at our church, Steadfast, which is happening soon. Different dates for all campuses, but is coming up really quickly. So y'all remind me, of the events at all the campus, of the times for each campus, so I don't mess it up. Oh man, uh, I think I'm pretty sure 5:28 is March Saturday, March 25th, 9 to 11 a.m. Yeah, that's right. I yes. do know that one. And then uh, East 96 is next, so we're also the 25th, but we're in the evening, 6 to 8 p.m. Okay, and then Egret Bay's 26th, the next day Sunday in the evening from mm-hmm. 6 to 8, and then Clear Lake is the next Friday, the 31st yeah. from 6 to 8. So different dates, but all really close together, and we're doing this together as a team, really. And so our church has always done, Clear Creek has always had some sort of women's ministry, whether it's been unofficial or official, we've had, uh, we've done it in different ways, but we've always had things, you know, for women and by women in different places. This year, for 2023, we've decided to sort of stack hands and come together centrally as a church and try to give the women... Uh, something just three times a year um, for this year. And we're going to see how it goes. So Mandy, what, just tell us what that's going to look like. Yeah, so in the spring, it's going to be more of a worship-centered, teaching-centered kind of event um, at each campus, like we just talked about. Um, in the summer, we're going to have an eight-week summer Bible study that is going to meet a couple of different at a couple of different campuses, but is open to everyone. Um, and then in the fall, we'll have events at every campus, um, more focused on fellowship, getting to know each other, spending time together. Because mm-hmm. uh, the thing with women's ministry is everyone has a different idea in their head. Mm-hmm. When you say that, they're like, I know exactly what you're talking about, and there better be chicken salad. <laughs> and, you know, it's going to be which every, <laughs> which is really good. Uh, it's going to be every week, all year. Um, but that's not what we're doing. Um, we're trying to... Um, integrate with everything else we're doing in our church, which we want everyone to be involved in. So we're hoping to sort of have this be something that supports what our church is doing and also serves the women of our church in a unique way. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm really excited about it. I know you guys are too. Yeah. Yeah, I am excited about it. And I'm excited that it's not a chicken salad kind of thing because I'm more of a takeout <laughs> girl and I can't cook uh, in any way, shape, or form. So that was a relief for me to hear. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> okay, so we those are our events. And then we also have uh, three teams who are sort of uh, in leadership positions with this this year. So we have a central team that's a group of people who are on staff and giving oversight and direction. We have campus leaders who are just making everything happen and really doing all the hard work Rock stars right there. <laughs> yeah, at the campuses. And then we have a content team, and that is y'all. So that is a team that's really um, sort of in charge in thinking about what what are we, what's the theology? What's, what are we trying to glean from the Bible for the women? So tell me a little bit of what that's, because we've already been running at this for months. So what does that look like? What do y'all do? 
I think we kind of are just, you know, coming together, the four of us, just kind of thinking through. So kind of like you said, what is um, already kind of what our church is working through. So coming alongside sermon series, um, small groups, just coming alongside what the church is already doing. And then how can we um, provide additional content for women? So as the content team, we kind of come together. What would this look like for us to... Um, to add something else, right? What else could we study? Um, so not just at this spring event, but in the summer, how could we um, provide additional resources kind of just alongside with what the church is already doing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, for for the, these particular events, um, this year we're going to be teaching at each of them. Um, each of us is teaching at a different event. Um, and then looking ahead to the summer, we're going to be writing and developing Bible study curriculum um, and taking turns teaching each week at those Bible studies as well. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of resources for women in general. Um, and so really the goal is just like what they've already said, but kind of to partner with what we're already being taught, make sure that this is theologically sound and, um, you know, just really committed to sound doctrine and also partnering with what we're already being taught. So hopefully it's a good resource specifically for Clear Creek women because it's a good, you know, additional supplement to what we're, the direction we're already going. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's, you guys are already saying some of even what we talked about with the overarching, what we're trying to do with women's ministry, uh, integrate within our church, within the life of our church and what we're already teaching and then have accountability with what it is that our women are hearing because we love them mm-hmm. and they they matter. Mm-hmm. So along those lines, uh, our first event again is coming up. So uh, we're doing we're te- we're all teaching at different campuses, like you said, on Exodus 36, 34, 6 through seven. <laughs> <laughs> or I'm teaching on Exodus thirty six. <laughs> I, 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 I just did it wrong. I, surprise. Uh, so uh, let's uh, Manny, can you just read it for us and then let's talk through. Some of that. Absolutely. Uh, Exodus 34, verses 6 and 7 says, The Lord passed before him, him is Moses there, and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. Okay, there it is. That's what we're all focusing on in a different way. Why, why did we pick this? Who wants to sort of... Um, well, first of all, you have a really good reading voice. Uh, <laughs> secondly, kind of like what we've already talked about, if the goal is to, to partner um, and kind of come alongside and bolster the teaching that we're already getting... Uh, thinking about that right now, we're in this I am series, right? We're looking at the I am statements, what Jesus said about himself in the New Testament. And so um, this is sort of the Old Testament equivalent. This is like the first time that God really introduces himself and he does it according to his character. So uh, yeah, it was a good partner with what we're mm-hmm. all, like the whole church body is learning at the same time. Yeah. Wait, I, I thought we were doing this because it was super simple and there's not very much there, <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. Super uh, It's easy. really, really simple and easy. No, I, that is such a great point. There is, you can even just listen to the verses without ever even trying to study it and see that there is so much there. There's so much there. In fact, uh, depending on which campus you're at, and we hope you go to your campus and participate in this, uh, you're going to hear a really different message mm-hmm. because we have, you know, just a few minutes to really hone in on, on, on one or a couple aspects of what God is really proclaiming about who he is. Mm-hmm. 
So there's a lot there. And so we thought with this podcast, it would be helpful to give everyone sort of a foundation when they walk in, Mm -hmm. because this is something that uh, the four of us have been studying and meditating on and seeking God in. And we want everyone to do that before they come to. We don't want that to just be us. We want that to be all the women in the room. So we're going to talk about some of the context and sort of how you can think about this verse before you join us, those times, those mornings and evenings. Right. I mean, because we really, we have 25 minutes to cover a lot. You know, there's a lot that we want to say. And so hopefully this will kind of feel like a running start, you know, like a running start so that if you can listen to this before the event, you know, you'll kind of have already some of that context uh, before we get started because we can't cover everything that we want to cover. So hopefully this will just be a good resource to get that running start into the night. Yeah. So uh, each of us, like I said, has, has either taught how to study the Bible or women of the word. And we say all the time, context is king. Context is the most important thing whenever you start studying the Bible. So why do we even say that? Jenna, why? Well, I think it's important for us to just remember like what we're even doing when we're opening up the Bible, right? Like we are opening up a collection or more like a library of ancient literature, right? So this is um, for Exodus, we're focusing on the Old Testament. So this is really a collection of writings, of sacred writings of ancient Israel. Um, And so it's a different time period. It's a different culture. It's a different language. And I think that sometimes we forget that when when we open it up and we can bring in our own our own assumptions, our own ideas, our own um, ideas from the 21st century Western mindset. And the problem with that is when we bring our own ideas to the text, then we come up with maybe our own interpretation, but then all of us, the four of us could be sitting here, we could read one sentence and all of us could come up with four different interpretations of what we think it means, right? If we're coming up with our own ideas. And so then the question is like, well, who is right, right? Whose interpretation is right? Is it yours? Is it mine? I mean, I I think I'm right, right? I think I'm right. So who is right? And I think the way for us to guard against this is not like, what do you think it means? What do you think it means? But to really look at what was the original author trying to communicate to the original audience, Mm -hmm. right? Like the truths that we are reading in here they are eternal truths. They are true for every time period, every culture, every language, every human, right? It's eternal truth, but it was delivered in a historical context. So I think just us remembering that as we go as we go to the text, because how we interpret something determines how we apply something, right? And if we come come up with an incorrect interpretation, then we're probably going to have the incorrect application. Mm-hmm. And I mean, what we're doing here, we're not just trying to grow in in the head knowledge, right? We want to know God. We want to know who God is so that it changes our hearts and it changes our lives. But we need to make sure we get to the correct interpretation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I said uh, context is king. But another thing that we say all the time is the Bible is written for you, but not to you which is really encapsulates to me what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Like it is, it is for you. Right. It is for us. It is God's word to us, for us. But it's not, it wasn't written to us. There's a historical context, there's a cultural context, and you have to get in that before you really know what it is God is saying for you. Right, right. And I think it's important to go in that order for a reason, right? We want to get to the correct interpretation before we try to apply it. Yeah. yeah. 
And you probably can already tell that uh, we just we all love this. This is so fun. <laughs> we can that was do a really this. good explanation, it's by the way. So, yeah. Yeah. That's it's right. just, it's important, right? It's, it's really so important. important. Yeah. It's really important. And so hopefully this is helpful just in general, not just for this women's event, because it always yeah. matters. So we, we really could talk about all the different types of context that you really need to look at and even, you know, uh, the methodology for studying the Bible, but we're not doing that. We're just going to try to give you some some pieces of it to think through. So context matters. Jenna told us why. The first place that we try to start is big picture of the Bible, Mm -hmm. because that's one context we sort of forget about. But like we say, again, another thing we say is is really the Bible is a story. It's a story of God with humanity. Mm -hmm. And so you have to place this verse within the context of the whole story of the Bible. So Tiffany, give us a little picture mm-hmm. of that with these specific verses. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. It is overlooked <laughs> a lot. Uh, and I think it's really important to like always have in one hand the big overarching story, the big story of redemption that the Bible is telling. I think of context as like zooming out and zooming in, right? Mm-hmm. So you can zoom out to see the big picture and then you can zoom in to see what specifically happened right before and right after this. And we can talk about that. But uh, so big picture wise, I mean, at the beginning, God created the world. It's perfect. It's beautiful. It's complete. Um, and then not a whole long time later, like flip the page, <laughs> uh, and it already goes downhill, right? And an enemy kind of infiltrates this uh, this beautiful world that God made and Adam and Eve fall to sin. Um, and so that sort of just distorts everything. I mean, everything, everything. So um yeah, so there's some consequences there, but also a promise, right, that this enemy is one day going to be um, defeated. And so uh, fast forward a little bit, there's um, a man named Abraham, who maybe we've heard of before, um, but he was kind of a dude in the wilderness, you know, <laughs> and God chose him to reveal himself to the rest of the world. So he made him some promises of becoming a nation and blessing the whole world and um even having a land that he's going to give them. And so uh, that family sort of grows into a people group who are enslaved in Egypt and don't hear from God for a long time, raises up a leader named Moses to kind of lead the way in delivering them. And so at this point, um, we're, we've had some promises from God, but we're kind of like waiting for them. And now we're out of captivity, but now what? And um, overarching story, like we're about 1500 years before Jesus and and the rest of the story. So uh, we're very much at the beginning, but we're also like, okay, we're we're out, mm-hmm. and now what? Yeah, I think that's that's super helpful. Another great explanation. Um, whenever I talk about this, if anyone is in my systematic class, I'm like, oh no, don't let him start talking <laughs> about this. Uh, but uh, you know, I think another easy way to just think about it, and there's all sorts of resources, and I think we should link to lots just in case mm-hmm. people are interested. But uh, you know, people, place, and presence of God is a really just simple way to think through what we had in the garden. Mm-hmm. We were God's people in God's place and in His presence under His rule and blessing, and then we we rejected it. And then God promised, even then, like you said, mm-hmm. right away. Mm-hmm. And then the rest of the Bible is the outworking of his promise to redeem all of those things too. So yeah, mm-hmm. now we're like, okay, God has promised it mm-hmm. and we're starting to see some of it. Yeah. But it's not f- completely fulfilled yet. And these are the stories that are shaping the identity of the people of Israel, right? It's shaping their idea of who is God, what has God done in the world? And then so who am I as a human and how am I supposed to live? But these are these are the stories that are just shaping all of those ideas for mm-hmm. the nation of Israel. 
Okay, so that's our big picture context. And again, we could talk about this for a long time. <laughs> but there's also, a, you know, other context that you have to think about. Then you have to get into the verse. Okay, what's happening here within these verses that I need to think about before I even start to try to understand what God's saying in these particular verses? So, Mandy, what's happening right here within Exodus? Well, so, I mean, I think anytime you go to the Scripture, it's good to kind of ask yourself those basic, like, who, what, when, where, why kinds of questions. And so if you just jump in to these two verses, like even I, I had to say it when I read the verse, like it just says him. Well, who is him? You're not going to see Moses's name in these two verses. And so you've got to expand a little bit to see who is God even talking to? Oh, he's talking to Moses. Okay, well, where, where, why is God talking to Moses? Where are they? What's happening? Um, and so if you start looking at it, you see that God is meeting with Moses on Mount Sinai. Well, what's Mount Sinai? Why does that matter? And we see that when you look at the story that Tiffany kind of started telling, that when the people of Israel left Egypt, that God told them he was taking them back to the land of promise, that land that was promised to Abraham. But they don't just go straight there. They could have. Um, God actually specifically addresses that in Exodus and is like, I'm not going to go that way because... Um, instead, he decides to take them through the wilderness and to go to Mount Sinai because he wants to enter into covenant with them. Um, these promises that he made to Abraham were in the context of a covenant, this agreement, um, and he wants to extend that covenant to the whole people of God. And so their time on Mount Sinai has to do with him establishing that covenant between them. Um, and we see even that he gives them instructions to create a place where his presence can meet with them. Just like you mentioned, um, their their goal is to become God's people in his place in, with his presence over them. Um, and so he's setting up the possibility for that to happen. And then we see that that they don't always respond Excellently, right? Um, <laughs> what? And so, and so, statement of <laughs> their failure to be faithful to God, right, um, sets up this story where God proclaims His faithfulness despite their unfaithfulness. You know, I think um, that again, super helpful. Thank you. I that makes me even think about an, another aspect of the context, which is the genre. Mm -hmm. Only because sometimes when we open our Bibles, we just, we read every single verse the same way. Mm -hmm. um, but but we're in, Exodus is sort of cool because it has a, a few different genres in it. Mm -hmm. There's this beautiful poetry. There's the law, which you have to know you're reading the law. But most of it, like most of the Old Testament, is historical narrative. And so, like you said, the people maybe don't do what they're supposed to do. Mm -hmm. And there's this whole story that we're hearing about, and we have to figure out why is this happening. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you're told explicitly, but a lot of times in narrative, mm -hmm. you're not. You're not. You have to understand based on the responses what, what God is trying to tell you. You know, and so I just think that is another part of this context is this is a narrative. So you don't say, okay, the people did this. That means I should do this. Mm -hmm. <laughs> don't, don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> I don't ever well, do that. Even, even I think sometimes our tendencies go, oh, well, Moses, he's the hero. So yeah. if he oh, does it, point. that means we should do it. Mm -hmm. And the truth is, is that, you know, these, these stories are descriptive, not prescriptive, mm -hmm. right? <clears throat> and so just because when Moses or whoever acts— and God doesn't respond necessarily positively or negatively, we can't take that as, oh, well, then it must be great. It must be okay. This is what we should all do. Mm -hmm. um, we have to instead use discernment and place that within the context of all of Scripture. 
um, and look at what we can learn from who about who God is. Yeah. Right, because I think, I mean, sometimes we want the Bible to be like an encyclopedia or a dictionary, (laughs) like flip to this page and it's going to tell me exactly what I need to do when I need to do it. But I think, like you said, when we're reading a narrative, it's kind of teaching us how to be a certain people that view the world in a certain kind of way. And so... Um, I think as we read these stories, they're, they were shaping the ancient Israelites, but they're supposed to also shape us, you know, into to kind of people that see the world the way that, that God sees the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, there's always, there's always some parallel because like you said earlier, it's explaining who God is and who, who people are. Mm-hmm. And it's this covenant relationship and this mm-hmm. rescue story. And so it's all in there. It's not like we don't identify with it at all, mm-hmm. but it's not. Like you said, it's not prescriptive, yeah. but we can still learn from it. Yeah. You just have to do it a different way. Mm-hmm. Well, and one of the other ways that we can look at the context throughout the whole scripture is to kind of trace themes. Um, and so looking at, you know, things that are true at one part of the Bible are going to still be true at the end. And one of the things I think that is nice about this verse is there's actually a lot of these adjectives, right? These attributes of God that God uses to describe himself that we can see if you want to trace a theme of God being slow to anger or God's uh, steadfast love for his people, you can actually do that from beginning Mm -hmm. to end. Um, You can find throughout the Psalms or throughout the prophets or throughout the historical books that God demonstrates and even the not it, sometimes it's the words are there but also just a demonstration of those attributes all throughout the scripture so that's another way that we can look at the context of these verses is that there are themes in them that are also true throughout the scripture yeah well, in this verse, Exodus 34, 6 through 7, is the most quoted verse by the rest of the, um, in, within the Old Testament, right? The other writers of the Old Testament, this is the most quoted verse. So over and over again, you'll see these words, the merciful and compassionate, right? You'll see these ideas. It's, and so it's always supposed to be a hyperlink back to this event, mm-hmm. right? This is how God wanted to make himself known. He wanted to be known as a God who sets people free from slavery, right? A redeeming God. And then these attributes, like God wants us to point back to this event and he wants to be known mm-hmm. by this verse, by the way he reveals himself. Yeah. 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 I mean, I hope that our teaching will will kind of start that process for you, that mm-hmm. after hearing us teach on this passage, that when you read the scripture for yourself, you're going to see these verses and yes. these words refrain throughout the Old Testament over and over and over again. Yes. Yeah. And I think it, I mean, this, these verses specifically really do, I mean, one, they are teaching us who God is. He's introducing himself, so it's not who anyone perceives him to be. He's mm-hmm. identifying himself, which is a big deal. So I think at this point, um, it's almost like they know what he can do, but they don't know him yet, mm-hmm. you know, like his heart. And so he's introducing himself according to his character, which is a really big deal. But also, I think it's it's so um, it's so illuminating because of what happened right before this, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so God offered them a covenant, obey my commands and you're going to be blessed. If not, there's going to be consequences. And immediately they already like don't keep up their end of the deal. They already break the first and second commandment. They've just made a golden calf. Um, and so the fact that he's introducing himself as merciful and gracious and faithful and abounding in steadfast love is a huge deal because they've already messed it up Mm -hmm. a lot. Well, I think even like thinking about the fact that this is a historical narrative and like, how do you understand what God's trying Mm -hmm. to, what he's trying to tell you? So there are these, there are these 
there's these moments that you pick up on. If someone it tells you their name, mm-hmm. that's important always. always. I mean, really, even like thinking about that, like like he's saying, I'm going to reveal my name to you, and then this is my character. Anytime someone tells you their name or name change in the Bible, it it matters. Mm-hmm. And it definitely, so you know if God's revealing his name, yeah. this is really important. So mm-hmm. it's how the people respond, what's the context, and then you know this is a moment that you have mm-hmm. to pay attention to. Mm-hmm which is why it's referenced over and over and over. Yeah. Yeah. So what else do you guys think is helpful to know walking in? So if someone's going to be studying this, is there anything else you think is important? I mean, there's a lot, but specifically before we start teaching on it. I think just um, just being willing to lay down your own assumptions, you know, being willing to... Um, just know that there's there's more to learn, right? So maybe we come in with our own assumptions, our own ideas about who God is um, based off of other things. But this is just like you've talked about, like this is where God reveals his name. This is where God reveals who he is. And so um, being willing to um, lay down our own assumptions and just let God tell us who he is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and I, I love this passage because the truth is, is that God... God is, he wants to reveal himself yeah. to Moses. It's not like Moses like tricked him into doing it. And so he has to tell Moses who he is and reveal this secret. He wants Moses to know him. And that that's not just for Moses. He wanted Moses to write this down so that all of us would know his character because he wants us to know who he truly is. He doesn't want us to have a misperception of his identity. He wants us to see him truly and to understand his great love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So actually this week I was um, listening to this talk by Dr. Tim Keller. Uh, the the <laughs> Dr. Tim Keller. Yes. Uh, and so he was mentioning, it was not even the topic of, of what he was talking about, but he was mentioning how he was taught to meditate on the word and uh, how the meaning would change if you removed any one word of mm-hmm. the verse, right? So mm-hmm. that's important too, because we're in a list of attributes. Mm-hmm. But if imagine if you removed any one of these things, mm-hmm. what that would mean, what the implication of that would be, and how important each and every part of this is, right? Because half of this verse is really easy to look at, and the other half is like, oh, hold on a second, right? Mm-hmm. And so, but all of it is important, mm-hmm. and the implications of removing any one of them are great. So I would maybe just encourage you to to read it and meditate on it, imagining if any one of those things wasn't there, what that would mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and along those lines... Um, we really hope that anyone who's coming or even you can't come, but you can still listen to it and listen to this. And we have devotionals coming out the week before that we hope will help you just to prepare your heart and afterwards. And we have a couple articles coming out because we really do feel, you know, the weight of these verses, the weight of God revealing himself and, and, you know, we also, we only, we know we only have so much time and space so we want to give everyone as much as we possibly can so that you really experience who God claims he is in these verses. So hopefully you register because mm-hmm. uh, then you will receive all of that. That's, mm-hmm. just, that's just how we know who to send it to. So we hope you register so that you can sort of dive in with us mm-hmm. in a few different ways. So anything else? I really, I really feel like there's still lots that we could talk about, but. You got to come, come to the event. <laughs> yeah, you just got to come, come I guess. Event. That's right. It's going to be good. <laughs> That's yeah. right. I'm, I'm excited. I would just say that um, 
my hope for the evening would be um, that that each and every woman would encounter God according to who he says that he is. And Mm -hmm. because I don't know if you've experienced this, but in my life, I would say that every time that I have sort of a a shift of understanding of who God is, it's almost jarring at first, but Mm -hmm. then it ends up being, oh my gosh, he's so much better than I thought, Mm -hmm. you know? And so I just kind of hope that those shifts take place. Uh, God is bigger than I thought. He's better than I thought. And just because my view of him is changing, that's not a bad thing. That actually probably is a good indication that you're growing in in your knowledge and understanding of him. So lean into that. Yeah. I'm just, I mean, I think we all really believe like this is the hope for the world, you know, like this is the hope. Like there's, there's a lot of darkness in the world. I think we're all, all too familiar with the brokenness of the world. Um, but I think that we also really believe that this, like the, the hope that we have in God and who God is in his compassion in his, that he's merciful. Um, this is the hope for, for all of us and the hope for all of the world that, this is the God who brings light to darkness and brings peace to the the brokenness of the world. And um, so we're, we're really, we're just, I think we're all excited. We're all excited for the night, but um, what we want it to be like for us um, as women of Clear Creek, but also it's a great opportunity to invite other people, like invite your friends, invite someone who might not feel comfortable coming on a Sunday morning or might not feel comfortable coming to anything else, but maybe they'd be open to coming to, a women's event, um, they're going to hear about the love of God. They're going to hear about the heart of God and God's heart towards them. Yeah, and I, I think that our hope is that wherever you are, kind of in your discipleship journey, um, that that this is not going to be like some one-time, you know, conference mm-hmm. you go to that like mm-hmm. is this big weird thing and then you go back to normal life, that this is actually a part of your life because we know you and we love you mm-hmm. and um, we're praying for you. Um, and that whether your friend who is far from God or you that you've been walking with God for 30 years, that that we can come together over the pages of the scripture, that we can come together in worship, um, and that, that all of us will have an opportunity to hear from God and to see him more clearly mm-hmm. that night. Yeah. Or yeah. morning. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> or morning. Yeah. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't want um, this podcast or anything else to intimidate anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, like you said, wherever you are, I mean, this in, in this morning or evening, this event is going to be um, just as much about knowing the people at your campus, mm-hmm. experiencing right. the presence of the church, mm-hmm. worshiping God just, just freely, and hopefully learning a little bit more about who he is. But that's not primarily what we're doing. Mm-hmm. We just want you to Dive in if you can, because we believe in the power, like you said, of God's word and his story and his presence. And so we hope you experience all of that that night. Um, And, uh, you know, if you don't have time to be studying beforehand, come anyway. Oh, for sure. You know, come anyway and just experience God's presence with us because God is good. And that's really one one of the things that he reveals to us is that he wherever we are, he meets us there, mm-hmm. which is incredible. For sure. I mean, we're talking about the teaching time because that's what we're doing. Yeah. But I think, I mean, even though that's like my job that night, I'm just as excited about a chance to sing together, mm-hmm. to pray together, to hear at, at every campus, we're going to have different women sharing their stories mm-hmm. of how they've experienced God's mm-hmm. faithfulness. Um, I'm looking forward to those things more than anything I'm going to say for <laughs> sure. <laughs> 
Yeah, I, I think I'm looking forward too to like just gathering together as women. I mean, it's it's hard to articulate really, but it is. It's just different. We're we're made differently, and that's something that should be celebrated. It's good and beautiful, and um, so I think it's also just a chance for us to to gather together as you know we were created to be relational and. And so that's going to be a big part of the evening too, right? And I think, um, I mean, we all love this stuff, obviously, um, and we've been spending a lot of time already preparing for it. But um, but that other part is also hugely valuable and a big part of the evening, right? Like it's not necessarily chicken salad, but it is relationships with yeah. one another and discipleship. And, yeah. and doing that as embodied women is a yeah. beautiful thing. Yeah, it's all part of his promise to us. Yes. His presence with us, our relationship with one another, it's... It, that's where we come together and just experience and celebrate all of it together. I can't wait. I wish I could be at all of them. Me too. Which I, I might. We'll yeah, see. I know. Maybe we will. <laughs> well, I'm grateful for all of you, really, all your hard work. It is a lot, um, even though you love it. And so grateful for each one of you and um, can't wait. Uh, we will link to a lot of this, but we hope you guys can join us. Thanks for being here. Thank you guys so much for listening today. I hope this conversation was helpful. If you want to watch the video of this podcast or share it with a friend, you can find it at clearcreekresources.org, where you can also find articles, music, and a lot more. Again, I'm Rachel. Thanks so much for joining us today.